welcome to Hunting Pixels, the official video game podcast of Culture Bop. I am your host yet again, Justin Ruiz, Skyrise Excellence. I'm not going to do the joke because now at this point, this is the third installment of this interview <laughs> series. So you know exactly who's doing this because it's not Josh, it's not Dylan, and it's not the other guy who I will introduce in a second. But like I mentioned before, this is the interview series for Hunting Pixels, where we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive into the boys behind the bop and really explore what makes them tick, whether it's in games, movies, music, dare I say, anime. Dare I say it? I dare. Because today, I I have to. (laughs) Today, I am joined by the most animated man himself. Mr. Austin Stevens. My friend, Austin, how are you doing? Doing great. At 8 o'clock in the morning. You know they say say you're more creative in the morning than anything? Really? Yeah, it's why they, I think they, I think, or not just creative, but they say um, you're more like, I I guess, lot, like your, your brain works in sort of like an analytical way in the morning, which is why I think uh, in grade school they try to schedule like math classes early. That makes sense. But uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist, say whatever, you know, side duck. I'm not any of those things. So I wouldn't know, nor if I, nor do I really care. Uh, <laughs> It, I feel like this has been a long time coming because I have, as much as I poke fun at, fun at you at your expense when you're not there on some shows, um, I feel like I am one of your bigger fans here. So I don't, I, I always sort of joke around, but uh, I just want you to know that I am joking around. <laughs> oh, it's all good. Not that you're going to drive up to New York and beat me to death with like a anime. Like what sword? What's like the mo- what is the most anime weapon? No, no, you can I would never visit New York. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's you not worth it. to worry. About <laughs> <that>. <laughs> it's not really worth it. Um, wait, what is the, what would you consider the most anime weapon? Uh, I don't know. Probably a katana. A katana. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. It's you know, it's funny. The thing. first thing that came to my mind was like a beam cannon from Gundam, but. <laughs> It's all hey. fair. Hey, well, I mean, they, hey, great segue, right? Because yeah. you are, I mean, no stranger to Japanimation. Remember when it was called that? Um, you are no stranger to this area, right? So you're, you're two co-hosts. Josh, very into, into movies, television. Your other co-host, Dylan, more into his love of the outdoors, but... As we explore this episode, and I know that we'll get into uh, video games, the real, the real, real interview. Um, we'll start off with your other, your other huge flame here, which is anime. Yeah. How, I, I mean, this is, first off, the, the question of how and why is probably what I could, I could let you just go for four hours, but what started 
this love of anime? Like, how did you become such a huge fan of this medium? And I know it's, I, look, I know it's popular, mm-hmm. but how did you get into this? So, um, probably already starting off kind of, kind of, kind of sad, but, uh, uh, I was left home, uh, alone a lot as a kid, like at a really young age, like at such a young age that you probably shouldn't do that with a child. Um, but I was, and so there was never really anybody supervising what I was watching. Um, and of course I grew up around the time, uh, uh, the Toonami block started to kind of take off and kind of gain traction on uh, both Cartoon Network and Adult Swim. Um, of course, back when I was a kid, I didn't like really specifically know what I was watching and know that I was watching anime. I just, I just know that I was fucking into it. I just know that I thought it was cool. Um, like, uh, I think some of my earliest memories of like of anime as a kid before I really knew what I was watching was stuff like. Uh, uh, watching stuff like Gundam Wing and G Gundam on on the to- on the Cartoon Network Toonami block, and then switching over to the Adult Swim block and watching stuff like uh, uh, Fully Cooley and Samurai Shampoo and Ghost in the Shell and Inuyasha and shit like that, um, and of course you know Dragon Ball and Naruto and Sailor Moon and all that good stuff. Uh, but like, and I think a lot of the shows that I watched as a kid that I kind of absorbed before I really understood what it was it like it's pretty interesting to think about because it kind of shaped it kind of shaped the genres that I'm into now um but like I don't know it was it was it was like a comfort thing for me as a kid like I was always alone and by myself and like I got to see these like really cool like uh really intensely animated fantasy worlds that I could just escape in and and it was rad and that's what started it, and I've just been going ever since and never stopped. Yeah, the cream certainly uh, rose to the top back then, right? You had a lot of really mm-hmm. good, good um, names and good good shows that were out there. I mean, I remember watching a lot of that stuff too, right? I was I was definitely into a lot of those things, and sort of the later night stuff was always the cooler, like mm-hmm. like yeah, this stuff is awesome. Like Fully Cooley, I remember being just absolutely batshit um holy cooly is nuts yeah like i couldn't tell you what that show is actually about i couldn't either and i rewatched it like a month ago and i still couldn't fucking tell you what that show is about (laughs) but it is but it is very cool but you mentioned you mentioned you know the types of genres that are out there and 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 look you know when you look at something like anime right it's not just pegged to one category. There's fantasy. There's a slice of life. There's mm-hmm. super fictional stuff. Giant robots. The list just carries on with different genres. So, so what are your favorite types to watch? So, uh, I, I'm really big into sci-fi. Anything with a giant robot, and I'm fucking here for it. Uh, I've just always thought that shit was cool. Um, I'm also, like, I, I, I can also get into, like, the supernatural stuff and, like, kind of your standard action adventures. Um, uh, there's there's some romance anime that I can I can kind of get behind a little bit. Uh, not not too much. I'm not too into, like, the slice of life type beat. Um, but, you know, sometimes I get a niche for it. Sometimes it's there. But it is mostly just, like, heavy action, sci-fi, and stuff like that. So you, you find like, especially with giant robot stuff, 
it's always, and I, I look at like Gundam and stuff like that, where yes, the action of one robot hitting another robot is awesome, mm -hmm. but the underlying themes of like colonization or you know, essentially represent like dem democratic representation, mm -hmm. all things like that are, are s like super interesting, right? The underlying themes and, and, and things like that, or even I remember, um, and you're probably going to be like, yeah, this one's awesome, but code Geass is that one? Yeah. I remember watching that and, and being like, wow, this shows a lot deeper than I ever imagined. I mean, what, like, are there any themes that you pull out of a lot of these these shows and you say like oh like that's that's something i really love because of the fact that it explores this specific theme um yeah totally and um code geass is a super rad example um i i really like the kind of animes that like kind of tend to give a commentary uh on society and like just kind of how flawed human society is and, and can actually get uh, code Z code Geass is a super rad example. You know, it's a series filled with genocide and racism and political corruption, like in all of which have happened or currently are happening uh, in our lifetime. Maybe not the genocide part, but you know, maybe we just don't know about it. But, um, and then kind of even again, going back to, uh, going back to Gundam, uh, a franchise that in almost every single iteration, uh, speaks about how during times of conflict, you know, both sides will do horrible, awful, atrocious things in the name of, of peace, defense, or freedom. But like the show kind of, kind of tells a message of like, when it gets to the point where you're just slaughtering innocent people, like, can you really justify that? And I think stuff like that is really cool. I hey, you're speaking my language finally. <laughs> one of I, one of the things I will say though, like one of the polarizing aspects of this is, in, in especially in this medium, right? And and mm. I'm I'm guilty of this because I roll my eyes at it a lot too. But sometimes these can be way too long and in some cases they can even be way too short it, whether it's a season whether it's an entire series so so what consists of like a complete story to you are you going out there seeking out these long drawn out seasons of a show or do you prefer something that's like more complete maybe something that's a little bit shorter has a start start to finish you know, one season, two season. I mean, does any of that stuff even matter to you? Um, for me, like, it honestly really just depends. Um, like, uh, as long as an anime has like a good intro, has like a, a good hook of an introduction, like, you know, like shove these characters and world in my face and like just throw in my face why I should care about them. Like make me care about them. And, uh, it, like, as far as the length, for me, it, it, it doesn't really matter, because as long as a series hooks me, I'm good. Um, uh, and if, like, if it hooks me well enough, I'll just fucking hyperfixate, and I'll watch and read everything relating to that series that I can possibly find, because that's just how my brain works for whatever reason. Um, which is, you know, a big reason why I think uh, franchises like Gundam have had their grip on me for literally since I was old enough to understand what I was even watching. 
Uh, because there's just always been so much for me to consume. Like, I always felt like no matter how much of Gundam I watch, I still had more to kind of keep going and explore. Uh, and I still sometimes feel that way, because, like, there's still, uh, there's still a few Gundam series that I, I haven't even had, uh, sat down and watched and gone all the way through, because there's just so fucking much. Um, but yeah. then on the flip side of that, you have, uh... You have series like Death Parade that are that are only twelve episodes, but like I think it would have been a disservice to expand that story any longer because it, it just it didn't need it. It was in twelve episodes, it was able to have a wonderful introduction and have a more than satisfying conclusion, and I wouldn't have wanted it to go any further than that. Do you, sticking with something like Gundam, do you feel that because that because that series hops around and sort of like it's multiverse kind of status, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it's not just telling one complete full story. It's telling a number of different stories. I remember even G Gundam being like, the, <laughs> like the, <laughs> the idea of like, let's dress this one up. Like it's from America and let's dress this one up. Like it's from China. Like, but do you find that like jumping around in sort of different stories makes it easier to digest or like do you find that there's more of a desire to see like oh what could they do with this medium next how do you feel about that um so when it comes to stuff like gundam specifically i like personally me i love how much content is there uh i i love just how many different stories that i can kind of escape and, and get lost in but i on the flip side of that i can absolutely uh, understand where somebody who wants to get into that franchise and they look and see how much is there and they're like, oh shit, dude, like, I'm out. I don't want to sit down and invest in all this because it, uh, like you said, it, it, you know, it's it's a lot. That's a lot to fucking take in and series like Gundam can be especially hard to kind of figure out okay, where do I need to start? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, you, Robotech I feel like is the same way where yeah. like, Robotech is awesome I mean, it's like the prototypical, but like you, I, I mean, it, it's essentially like digesting a history book. Mm-hmm. So I want to jump back to, oh, wait, I do have one more other question since this is like now the Gundam cast, but eighth <laughs> team, easily the best, right? Yeah, I think eighth, I think eighth team is still probably my favorite. Oh, it's so good. So good. So good, dude. I I love the whole, like, the whole aspect of it kind of slowing everything down and and making the mobile suits, like, kind of feel like what they would, what something like that would actually be if it existed. You know, it's these slow moving, uh, slow maneuvering machine, like giant fucking war machines. And it's, it's so good. It's like the go the whole guerrilla warfare aspect of it too. Like mm-hmm. it's really like whoever I don't know who the writers were for that, but I, I just remember that being really really good. Anyway, yeah, they knocked it out of the park with that show. With I want to just jump back to themes for a second because I know you, I know you spoke about sort of like the politics and sort of the idea of like peace in the name of whatever it takes and, and all these sort of different great messages that can get out there. But how do you think this media or, or what, which message do you think this medium tells the best? And why do you think it's, this is a good medium for that message? Um, 
Hmm. That's a really tough one. Because um, so, there are so many, you know? Like, yeah. there's, there's so many. Yeah, kind of going back to it, um, I again, the message that uh, that uh, I think anime is, or that I, 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 I like seeing the most out of anime is uh, kind of going back to the whole uh, uh, how flawed society can be. And I think the reason... I think the reason why some animes do such a good job at getting this message out there is because they're not limited to, like, if you were to make a movie about that kind of stuff or make a TV show about that stuff, uh, anime isn't limited to the same kind of, uh, uh, to the same kind of restrictions that a TV show or movie has. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot more that anime can not only get, I feel like can get away with showing, um, but it's, I feel like anime would also be uh, like like they can do like they can show like really gory kind of um, kind of like really fucked up shit and get to me get away with it a little bit easier because it's kind of like you like you're just kind of drawing all that you're not having somebody act it out and and stuff like that and um, you know with animation you're just you're able to do a little bit more as far as like the world around it and and you can show off a little bit more. You, you can die. You can movies. Yeah. It sounds like, like you can dive into the fiction, mm-hmm. you know, you can explore yeah. the fiction, which I think, I mean, currently what you're reading sounds like it's, I mean, that sounds like fiction to me. <laughs> I, I got it. I went, so when you talked about chainsaw, man, Mm-hmm. I think I saw, I want to say I saw some kind of booth around it at Comic-Con this past year. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I kind of was like, what, <laughs> what am I looking at? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, learning more about what that is about. I mean, that's, that is only something that you can do. Within yeah. the pages of, within the pages of like a graphic novel. <laughs> It's so good, though. <laughs> it's it's way better than it has any reason to be. Yeah, I mean that your fervor and passion for it is. <laughs> I'm still. I'm not gonna. I'm. I can't. But <laughs> I. I would love for someone to continue to talk to me about it. Um. So, what other I guess standout shows are there that you really do love, or any, any sort of recommendations? That you'd have right off the bat. I mean, if you're, let's say I'm completely blind and new to this, I have mm-hmm. no idea, what would you recommend? So, um, my top five, uh, just out of the gate, my top five anime of probably all time are uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam 8th MS Team, uh, Fully Cooly. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and then, of course, as anyone that's ever listened to this fucking show, um, my favorite anime of all time is uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, As far as, like, recommending to, like, somebody new who's, like, trying to get into anime and trying to kind of find where to start, um, I typically always recommend Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. It's not that long. I'm pretty sure it's only, like, 54 episodes uh, the story is it's kind of simple and easy to digest, but it's still a wonderful fucking story. 
It's not that long. It's only 54 episodes. It's not long. It's not super bad. <laughs> oh, God. Um, no Attack on Titan, huh? I, I I do love it. I do love it for sure. I, I think Attack on Titan is, is super good and might... I don't know if Attack on Titan is considered a shonen anime or not, but it has a lot of similarities with shonen, and I think it's kind of one of the better ones that's come out in like the last 10 years. Um, it, it definitely not in my top five, because there are just so many other shows that I adore much more, but Attack on Titan is very yeah. So I'm I'm here's here's something you're gonna get, I think you're gonna find insightful. I think Evangelion is like college course required reading. Like it is <laughs> it is probably one of the most introspective looks at like man versus faith like mm-hmm. i i don't know if there's ever really been i'm sure there are other takes that are similar and great but i i, I think in the modern era that show is as close to like a perfect way to sort of question the the have the question of why <laughs> like yeah oh, it, sure. it is i i cannot i cannot recommend that enough and i think you're 100 percent right when i watched that show for the first time uh i finished watching it i just kind of sat on my couch and i was like and what the fuck did i just watch that that's a walk that's a go th- go to a park and sit on a bench and think for an hour. <laughs> like, that is think exactly... the world around right. you. <laughs> that is that yeah, show. Yeah, honestly. Such a uh, good show, though. It really is. It really is. Did you think that this was going to be such a like easy conversation about about anime? I mean, I feel like... I feel like you were going to walk into this and be like, he's just going to pummel me on this and be like, <laughs> you need to stop watching this crap. <laughs> I almost expected it to be a borderline therapy session, honestly. Uh, well, I don't get paid to do that. So <laughs> if I did. <laughs> he said, sorry, your mental health isn't really my problem. <laughs> that's the, that's the New Yorker for today. That is the New Yorker in me. It's like, <laughs> I have a problem. Like, so does everybody else move. Get over it. Um, well, let's just shift gears here and move on to the next topic because... Music is a very big part of your life and very hard music, right? Metalcore. Mm-hmm. Oh. Genres that I genres genres that quite frankly I've never really I mean maybe in my younger, maybe in my youth I listened to a lot of this and maybe it would have constituted what this is now. Mm-hmm. Almost like this post hardcore movement stuff. Um but that's really your milieu I've, I've hear I've heard you talk a lot about this and same with Dylan too but what where where did you really develop this love of this genre so yeah uh, as a kid I spent a as a kid I spent a lot of time with my grandparents uh, I was at my grandmother's house a lot and my uncle actually lives uh, in like a separate house on her property and so I spent a lot of time with my uncle who to this day refuses to let go of the 70s and 80s. 
And uh, so I, I was constantly, every time I was at his house or around him, I was constant, constantly exposed to stuff like Black Sabbath and, and Iron Maiden and Led Zeppelin, you know, unfortunately Kiss and shit like that. Uh, but then my brother at the time was also very, into, my brother was about 10, uh, 10, 12 years older than me. I can't ever remember his age, age off the top of my head. But uh, he was also very into, like, the punk scene of the late or 90s and early 2000s. Uh, and I, I specifically remember the bands, the two bands he listened to the most that are just forever ingrained in the back of my brain are uh, Some 41 and Offspring, uh, who even today I, I, I still get down with and enjoy. Um, and then that kind of shaped, uh, I guess that kind of shaped what would eventually be uh, by the time I got into middle school, I was kind of I started listening to uh, kind of like what I consider now to be like cringy radio rock, like Three Days Grace and Three Doors Down and Breaking Benjamin and stuff like that. I'm not saying that all those bands are cringy. Three Days Grace to me definitely is, but um, <clears throat> you know, just kind of your your generic radio rock. And and even back then, I was like, oh, like I kind of thought that this was tough shit. Uh, then by the time I got to I got to my freshman year of high school, I started getting into. Uh, I think that's where the what do they call it the uh, like the scene phase kind of hit. I think that was right around that time. Um, still, you know, I started getting the long swooshy hair and and red skinny jeans and listening to shit like Pierce the Veil and sleeping with sirens and issues who is actually a uh, uh, a hometown hometown band uh, they're from my hometown that's pretty cool um and I think it wasn't really I think getting into like post hardcore and stuff like that kind of that kind of led the way for me to uh, get into metalcore and deathcore because uh, I, I specifically remember going to a show uh, for a post hardcore band I don't remember who it was or who the headliner was, but then I started getting in, exposed to, to like metalcore and deathcore through via other bands that were on the tour, and I was like, "Yo, like, fuck that post-hardcore shit. This shit's pretty good. All this ignorantly heavy shit is pretty fucking good." And I started to get into bands like Beartooth and Of Mice and Men. You know, Bring Me the Horizon, Suicide Chapel or Suicide Silence, White Chapel, and shit like that. And uh, it even caused me. One time uh, in high school, I thought that I was going to pursue music. Uh, that uh, you know, obviously didn't fucking happen. But I was in a lot of local bands in high school, um, none of which exist anymore. Uh, most of which never even actually did anything. There was only one band I was in that I actually performed uh, a handful of times with, uh, and had a had a very bad falling out. And I eventually just decided that uh, okay fuck it you know this really isn't for me i love the scene especially the local scene but this the rest of the shit is just not for me do like actually you, trying to do it is just not no i'm good so quick question here do you listen to anything that doesn't have core at the end of it uh now yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of it's going to come as like sarcasm so you don't have to answer mm -hmm. it Re realistically um no, i mean is there anything about like the heavier stuff that you find like melodic or like is it is it the harmony of a lot of that stuff because i know when i would listen to a lot of the harder like the every time i dies or 
mm-hmm. you know, the Dillinger escape plan kind of stuff where, where it's, you know, to the layperson, it sounds like noise, but when you do listen to it and you really, really listen to it, you understand that like each of these music- musicians is like extremely talented. Oh yeah. W- what uh, about it? Like, how do you feel about that? What are your thoughts on that? So for me, it's like, uh, I, I think what does it for me and what I've all, what's always made me so into it is, is the energy that it gives off. Um, like I, I, I kind of liked metalcore. I wasn't like super, super into it until I actually got to, uh, see a metalcore show and like actually see the kind of energy that these bands give off while they play. And, um, dude, it, it, like I, I, it's super hard to explain like what it just, what I love so much about it. But it's just the energy of a show and just being there and like uh, being in the pits and shit. Like it, it's it's such a good feeling for me, and it's super hard for me to put into words. So I'm struggling a little bit. But um, it's like charging a spirit bomb. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> See, I know what I'm talking about. What would it, what would help you gravitate towards any other kind of genre out there? I mean, I, I know you stick to a lot of. Like, again, not to be divisive, but just, like, anything with core stuck to it. But is there any, like, what what would help you gravitate towards something completely different? Um, it kind of just, it, it kind of just depends. Like, now, I, I still listen to, like, I still listen to a lot of metalcore and deathcore, but it's definitely, I definitely feel like now I, I listen to a much broader uh, range of stuff. Um, cause I'll, I'll, honestly, I'll pretty much listen to anything as long as it's not like EDM or, le- or electron like that, that I, I, I'm just not into. It just doesn't do anything for me. Um, but I can sit down and listen to pretty much everything else. Like, uh, surprisingly, I listen to a little bit of country every now and then just cause I, I grew up in the South. I'm from the South. I've been exposed to it my whole life. Uh, I know it fucking drives Josh nuts. Yeah, I'm not a fan either. Um, <laughs> so it, it's funny because, you know, you think about like a lot of the evolution of these genres. You think about the evolution of a lot of these different things. Um, one of the one of the I would say the bigger evolutions out there is like that that post punk era mm-hmm. going into something like. At the drive-in, you know, creating something like at the drive-in, which then creates like the Mars Volta. Yeah. What are your What are your thoughts on like the evolution of a genre, or like, and and from there, where do you expect, or where do you want this sort of evolution to go? Um. So, like, I I feel like you know we had pop pop punk the way it was, and like the early in like the early to mid 2000s and then i feel like you had bands like my chemical romance that kind of came in and kind of changed everything um like i i I felt like pop punk was never was never really going to be the same genre after you know bands like my chemical romance came in and kind of did their thing and then a lot of a lot of current modern pop punk bands have have kind of taken that and evolved off of that and I would I would love for metalcore and deathcore to have a wave kind of like that because I, I don't think that they have. Um, I think especially now the reason why I listen to a lot of other things that aren't just 
metalcore, deathcore is because I feel like now in 2022, they're, they're kind of stale. I feel like it's been done a lot. Uh, there are a few bands that are still out there right now that are switching it up and are kind of make uh, kind of doing their own thing, but but still kind of having those core uh, those core uh, themes like Knocked Loose and and Lorna Shore and shit like that. But um, yeah, me- metalcore and deathcore is kind of ha- has kind of been still keeping with the same trends that have that have been set since like two thousand five. And I, I would really love for for it to have its own My Chemical Romance situation and kind of come in and and maybe make some of these older bands that are still trying to do shit kind of sit back and say, okay, maybe we need to try something else and try something new. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we've reached our quota of the word core. So, <laughs> and that was really good. I mean, it's it's interesting to hear. Well, first off, it's interesting to hear the names of all these bands because I feel like when I was more listening to this, it was how many times can you put the month of September or November into the name of a band? Yeah. Um, Which got real old real quick. (laughs) But um, one of the other things, and this is a little, little behind the scenes here, but I did ask you about certain other areas that you're interested in, so certain other mm-hmm. things that you're, um, you have a certain affinity for. And you mentioned it on the show not too long ago, but TCGs, right? Yeah. Card games, actual tournaments, competitions. This is something you said that you were really into and that you have a, a strong love for. So what what is your fascination with TCGs and sort of the the collectible card scene and all that like where where did that come from How, how'd you get into that what what's your what are your favorites let's dive into it yeah so um <clears throat> of course way back in the day uh when i first started watching anime as a kid um I, another one of the animes that i didn't really know was an anime at the time that i was super into growing up on cartoon network was uh Yu-Gi-Oh. I was always into Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't think like as fucking lame as it sounds, bro. Like I, I, I stayed watching Yu-Gi-Oh like all the way through high school. I fucking love that shit. Um, but the cards were always there for me too. I, I just, I'd always collected Yu-Gi-Oh like from the time I was probably, fuck, dude, like six, seven years old, all the way up until. Uh, I don't think I finally stopped buying Yu-Gi-Oh until like 2019 uh, when I just got out of the game. Uh, I played it semi-competitively pretty much my whole like middle school and high school, uh, middle school and high school life. Uh, I got out of it for a little bit, uh, mostly because I had a child and Yu-Gi-Oh was expensive. Uh, I got out of it for a bit, kind of got back into it about a year after my first daughter was born, um, and then I probably stopped I stopped playing it in, like, 2019, just because, like, that, uh, the competitive scene for Yu-Gi-Oh! was, like, one of the most toxic fucking things that I've ever seen. <laughs> that, I did not expect to hear that. <laughs> I, it's just, it's so toxic and gross and weird, and I just... I was like, I don't want to play this game anymore. This game isn't fucking fun for me anymore. Like, it just got to the point where, because you and I, I think Yu-Gi-Oh especially has just 
always had this problem. Um, I can't I can't speak for Magic because while I have played Magic and I like I know how to play Magic, I enjoy playing Magic. Um, I never played it like even to like a semi competitive standpoint. I always just kind of played with my friends and collected the cards because I thought they looked cool. Um, but with Yu-Gi-Oh, especially like especially now in 2022, um, it kind of got to the point where every 40 card deck had like the same 28 cards. And every one of those cards was like a hundred dollars a piece that you needed to run three of. And I was like, no, nah, this is just too much. And I like I wasn't really having fun because I felt like, yeah, you know, there were 10 to 20 cards that were different. But the other half of every deck that I'm playing and every deck that I'm fucking seeing is the exact same thing. There is no like new strategy. There is no new thought. There is no innovation going into this. It is just the same fucking thing over and over because it works. And I just I wasn't really there for that, so I kind of got out of it a little bit. So what do you what would you at that point what would you consider like how what makes a TCG strong right like what makes it good to you like what aspects are necessary for you to even consider jumping into one because naturally I mean Yu Gi Oh is huge right it's popular it's it's big oh, so yeah. is Pokemon so is um, so is Magic but like what. What aspects or, like, what makes one strong to you? Um, <clears throat> so for me, it's uh, one of the biggest things I, I would say, especially right now in 2022, um, is accessibility. Uh, because that's been a really big problem in TCGs for, honestly, probably the last two years. Since the lockdowns kind of came in and, uh, you know, COVID came in and then scalpers kind of took every single market for everything and attempted to fuck it up for everybody for no fucking reason. Um, accessibility was a really big problem. Nobody see it. Would, this was really weird, but I always fucking noticed it throughout the entirety of the pandemic. Um, I don't know if you remember probably around this time last year where for some reason, Pokemon and baseball cards got really fucking bad. Um, my my wife dug out hers. She had Pokemon cards. Like she was like, I think I have first generation ones. It was like we need to get these graded, and then we need to sell this and then buy a house. Yeah, <laughs> you probably could. Um, dude, some of those prices are nuts. Um, but like like I remember around this time last year, a dude got stabbed at Target over a fucking box of Pokemon cards. Like what the fuck, man? What's going on with that shit? I mean, um, let's let's face it. I've seen people get stabbed for less. Now, <laughs> oh, I'm sure you're in New York, right? Like, oh, you cut me in line from the deli. Like, I'm gonna stab you. <laughs> but uh, accessibility is all is is gotta be a huge thing, and that's where I think Digimon has has just done wonderfully. Um, the TCG came out over here in the States, I think like November or December of 2020, and it was immediately selling out. Like people could not get shit. Uh, and that, and that's really dangerous for a brand new game for, to, to have all these players that want to play it, but they can't because they can't afford to get their hands on it. Um, I remember booster boxes were selling cause I remember trying to get into the game, like right when it started and I, I, I just couldn't. Uh, booster boxes were, were selling out literally the moment they went live or a store opened their doors and it got to the point where people were like reselling booster boxes on eBay for like 200 $180 uh, 
when they MSRP'd for 60. And so yeah, a lot wild. of people were like, dude, like I can't justify paying $200 for a fucking booster box. And I, I was one of those people. I was like, dude, fuck that. I can't do that. That's way too much. Uh, I, so we, so I, I have to I have to interject here because, OK, I under I understand the big names in this scene. Right. I know the big names, but and I follow the gaming communities. Right. I follow mm-hmm. video games. I follow that stuff. I would have ne- I didn't even know there was a Digimon card game. Oh, yeah. is this like is this something that's just like no pun intended? People keep their cards close to the vest, or is it like widely talked about in the scene? I just I, I for some reason I would have I, I always thought of this as sort of like okay, there's a game, you know, there's I'm sure there's manga and anime and all that kind of stuff, but like the card game. I never would have thought would have been as popular as you're talking about mm. now. Oh, yeah. Um, so Digimon had an original card game in like the early 2000s, and it did really well in Japan, but it sold like shit over here. Like just nobody was interested in that shit at all. And it got to the point where like you could find them at dollar stores. You could, Like you could find the packs at dollar stores and they would be overflowing um, just because it, it just wasn't being played like they wanted it to. And then they they released a revamped version of it with kind of new rules and a completely new play style in 2020. And it just it has just fucking taken off like it's kind of nuts. I, I don't think I've ever seen a TCG like grow this quickly or grow as fast. Like uh, the other day, there was a registry for uh, a really big uh, tournament. I don't remember what the tournament specifically was for, but it was a really big Digimon tournament. And and like uh, registration, I I think the uh, the player list was capped to like three hundred and thirty or something like that, and and like the tickets uh, tickets for it sold out in like I think it was like twenty four seconds. It was instantly fucking sold out, and it, it's blown my mind. But uh, kind of going back to the accessibility thing, I think it's because Bandai, the uh, com- Bandai is the company that produces the game. Um, they have been so good about pushing out so much fucking product. Um, last June, yeah, around last June, uh, the third booster set for Digimon got released in the U.S. And Bandai, when they did that. They released just this like ungodly wave of just reprint after reprint. And like they had made like millions more of the first two boxes and millions more of the starter decks. And they pushed out so much product that the resale value for some of these cards just instantly plummeted because people were already just pulling so many of the same thing. Um, And I think that that's really awesome. And I think all TCGs should have taken a step back and tried to do that um you know around last year the end of 2020 especially pokemon and i think they've even tried but the demand with pokemon has just been so nuts that it's hard for them to keep up um but yeah, i wouldn't a, have expected this game mania. to take off but it fucking blew yeah that that's a pure mania right like pokemon oh, like yeah. just absolute mania so here's here's just a fun thought exercise um since this is something you feel passionately about, which franchise would you want to see get its own TCG? Any any come to mind right off the bat? Ooh, ooh. Oh man, 
man, that's a hard one. I don't know what could get a TCG and what, what could work. Um, it, and that's kind of the thing with anime, too, is there are so many, like, TCGs that try to come out that end up kind of failing. Um, like, I think uh, uh, Bandai, who does the Digimon TCG, they, they announced a One Piece TCG the other day. And I'm kind of curious to see where that goes. Um, I think uh, uh, they just came out with a uh, My Hero Academia TCG. I saw them at GameStop for the first time yesterday. Um, actually might go back today and buy a couple of packs. I'm so low-key kind of thinking about it. Follow-up question. What's GameStop? <laughs> <laughs> the worst gaming store in the country? Yeah, I know. That's, that's about right. Um, They're not great. I don't know why I still spend my money there. Just playing into the, no pun intended, but you're playing into the whole demise. Right. Um. All right, enough of this shit. I'm done with anime. I'm done with music. I'm done with car <laughs> games. Like I, I, I catered to your crap. All right. He's like, now you cater to me. Yeah. Now it's time to get into the real fun stuff. This is the this is the good stuff. And like I said okay. before, like I said before, in the words of Gunship. This is more than a video game. But let's talk about video games. <laughs> so like the other like the other categories, I mean, where when did you start really developing a love for gaming, right? I mean, was it was it early on? Like what what drew you to gaming and 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 then in addition, what really prompted you to start talking more about them in depth? Oh yeah. Um so I I'd always kind of had a love for gaming. Like so, some of my earliest memories uh, that I that I just have the general were uh, trying to play Sonic the Hedgehog on on my family's Sega Genesis. Um, I think it was mostly my brothers, and I still have that thing somewhere. I just cannot for the life of me fucking find it. Um, but I, I I grew up with a Genesis, and I loved it. Uh, that's where I kind of developed my love for Sonic games. I, I played Sonic 1, 2, and 3 probably every fucking day for like three or four years. And then um, when I was, I think when I was in second grade, I got my first console that was really ever mine, and that was the original Xbox. Um, and I think, I think the first two games that I got were <laughs> fucking Bionicle. And Jet Set Radio Future. Wow. Those were the first two games that I ever got. And I just, I remember just absolutely adoring Jet Set Radio Future. And I, I played that motherfucker for hours and hours and hours on end. Um, and it's just kind of like with anime, it's just something that never went away. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good game to play a ton and feel like you're getting satisfied from it. Oh, dude, I love that game. I still need to... I, I want to sit down and rebuy it. I need to... Because I, I still have my original Xbox, and it somehow, surprisingly, still works. So I yeah, that is... Yeah. Find that game. That is a surprise. But it's funny, because the games you listed here, Sonic, Jet Set mm -hmm. Radio, Bionicle, they're not what you typically talk about on the show. What you usually yeah. what you usually gravitate towards, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I usually am never. 
Um, that's not true. I the funny thing is, you guys make me out to be like some like prophet, but I'm not. <laughs> so not. I have made very many mistakes, and I continue to make mistakes, and I continue to be wrong. As they, as I was told when I first started in the workforce, a broken watch is right twice a day. Um, this is true. So. JRPGs, RPG, I guess you could just say RPGs at this matter, but role-playing games, yeah. right? I mean, that's usually what you're drawn to heaviest. I mean, what's the draw for those types of games? Do you just love the idea of taking your time, picking a picking something from a menu and watching somebody carry out <laughs> that action? What like what speaks to you about these games? For me, like with RPGs in particular, it's always just been it's always just been about the escape, man. Um, like I can kind of get behind the role of this character, and and I can kind of you know in certain RPGs, um, I I can build them how I want to, and I can I can have them play how I want to, and it, it, it's just an escapism thing, honestly. It's just a way for me to. Uh, uh, it's a genre that I can take my mind off the outside world and I can just completely immerse and invest myself in. And I think that's what I've always been so fucking fascinated about them. You talk about using it as an escape, but once you're in, there is no escape. <laughs> you really are just locked into it. But yeah, like sometimes I, for hundreds of hours. But so, okay, so you like the idea of sort of becoming or um you know seeing things through the lens of these characters but does does that have like a significant impact on the gameplay because there are rpgs out there that are totally you know they're not turn-based right mm -hmm. they're there's something that you do build build up a character you are investing time and and choosing routes and all different all different aspects like that but but does it mat does the gameplay matter to a specific degree, are you more drawn towards something that's turn-based? Would you would you venture into like an RPG that's more like Skyrim setting? What are your thoughts on the gameplay? So I've always been much more into turn-based because uh, I I kind of like the slower pace of it. Like you know, with a lot of action RPGs, and you know, uh, I, I guess this is the perfect time for for somebody to bring up Elden Ring. Um. Like you, you, you get into a boss fight and, and sometimes you don't have time to kind of make your decisions. You don't have times to buff properly. You don't have times. You don't really have time to think, OK, I'm going to do this, this and this like at this moment and this moment. But then with turn based RPGs, you can kind of step back and you can like really take your time to look and uh, look at to look and say, OK, this is what I'm going to do now. This is what I'm going to do on my next turn and so on and so forth. And I think that's why turn-based RPGs have always grasped me the way that they have. It's just because I, I felt like it's, it's I don't want to say it's more strategic, but it's, um, it's a little more forgiving as far as you thinking up your strategies. I, I have, okay, two things to unpack there. Elden Ring, the theme of Elden Ring is man plans, God laughs. Yeah, and honestly. The, okay, so... I'm going to do this because no one else has done it on the show, but there there are aspects of turn-based combat that are forgiving. Mm -hmm. And then there are aspects of turn-based combat that are not forgiving. Yeah. And I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to bring the game up. <laughs> and you know exactly what series I'm talking about. I do. 
the Persona games are mm-hmm. unforgiving for turn-based combat games. I mean, you make one mistake in those games and it haunts you for the rest of that game. <laughs> like you yep. for, you're like I'm going to ju- I'm going to jump into mementos. I'm not going to save. I'm not. But Joker's going to get somehow mysteriously like a death sentence on him. He dies. Mm. I've lost four hours of gameplay and I'm ready to, I don't, I don't have a CD because I downloaded it, but if I did, I'd break one in half. How do you feel about sort of the, the, and and this is specific to Atlas, right? It's specific Mm. to persona, but how do you feel about sort of the way these games are structured? Because as you can tell, I don't particularly think it's very, very good. It is Mm. the year 2022. We shouldn't have, you know, a game where a protagonist falls and then you reverts back to the last yeah. save from oh, four hours ago. Yeah, and by the way, no auto saving. So, yeah. What, what are your What are your thoughts on this? Because I, I I am I'm genuinely curious about um, how how this how you think about this. It it doesn't it doesn't bother me too much because I'm the kind of person that I'm so. When it comes to turn-based RPGs, I am so cautious that I will save, even if I don't feel like I need to, I will save at every given option that I can. Um, so it doesn't really bother me, but I do think the whole reverting back to your last save is, is uh, for lack of a better word, kind of fucking stupid. <laughs> um like uh, I, I mean, the same thing happened to me, man. On my on my last playthrough of Persona Three, uh, I I had played for like eight hours, didn't save, didn't really think, I didn't think too much about it. Was kind of just exploring, and I was over leveled at this point, so I I really wasn't even fucking worried about any of the bosses I could come up against. Um, but then in stuff like Persona, you have bosses that or you have moves that have a really, really, really low chance of hitting, but if they hit, they're an insta-kill. And that fucking happened to me. Had a very low chance of hitting, but it was an insta-kill if it did, and sure enough, it fucking did. And I don't think I touched my Vita for two days after that. Because I was like, I just need a fucking break. Do you think Um, the creators of Persona needed to get hugged more as children? Do you think that's what it is? Uh, fucking probably honestly yeah. the way they that game fucking tortured me with that kind of shit yeah yeah it, it's there's <laughs> okay so the, <laughs> here's here's the other question do you take like umbrage or do you have any sort of qualms about like the protagonist because i've said it before joker mm-hmm. joker could not even be in the room Right. Yeah. He he doesn't even need to like at at some point, somebody has to say like it's like Ryuji or Yusuke or somebody just like looks over and they're like, oh, by the way, like you're here. What do you think? And then it's like one <laughs> sentence and they're like, oh, man, like, yeah, he agrees. So maybe we should just carry on with our conversation as if this guy doesn't even exist. But how do you feel about like this silent protagonist in these games? Because so many other turn based RPGs. You know, they they flesh out a lot of their characters. And and in particular, I'm going to use Final Fantasy VI as a as a benchmark here. But there are about like 20 different playable characters and they all have unique backstories and are very, very, you know, you can you can you can see the personality in the pixels. 
Mm -hmm. What do you think or how do you feel about sort of the silent protagonist in these games just sort of being like this cipher? Mm, um, I'm, I've always been kind of cool with it because I've usually when I'm playing those kind of games, they're stuff with silent protagonists. Um, they're usually franchises that I, I end up really liking, um, you know, stuff like Persona and, and God, dare I say, uh, even fucking Pokemon. Um, I, I've never really had an issue with it simply because when I am playing these games, I usually am so invested and so kind of uh, uh, lost in it that in my head, I'm kind of, it, it, it's like I can kind of make up my own character's dialogue in my head and just kind of keep moving with the conversation. Okay. Um, Persona 5, Persona 5 Royal, mm-hmm. Persona 4, Persona 4 Golden, Persona 3. These are all, I'm just, if you, if you're walking with me here, these are all games that you've played and completed and Mm -hmm. in some cases have gone back to what Mm -hmm. makes you like, what makes you want to return back to these worlds after you've sort of finished the stories? I mean, is it, is it restarting these epic stories, like kind of seeing it again? What, what about it? excites you when you're sort of thinking about, yeah, I do want to start this again. I do want to go, go through this world again. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, especially with the case with persona five Royal, cause I think I said on the show the other day, like I'm, I'm on my fourth playthrough of persona five Royal. Um, and I think one of the things that, especially about persona that keeps me coming back is there's always so much optional shit that I did not get to see and did not get to do in, in, in one playthrough. You know what I'm saying? So I can kind of come back and do another playthrough. Like, like in persona, you have, um, you know, the different love interests and the different routes that you can take with that. Um, but then there are also, you know, multiple fucking endings that are all decided on like one tiny little bit of dialogue. And it's cool going for me, it's cool going back and playing through these games again and then like uh, choosing that that different dialogue and and unlocking those other routes and kind of seeing where the story goes from there. That's that's always been a big draw for me to come back and and try it again and keep going. Okay, so to be be honest here, is someone holding you captive and forcing you to play these over again? (laughs) That's what it feels like. Sometimes. Yeah, right. I mean, it I think it's just Atlas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. The good people at Atlas are doing this. Um, <laughs> here's you know you want to hear some interesting over actually I forget when it came. Uh, so it probably was 2020. Yeah, in the the first month of 2020, I Persona Five was on the PlayStation Classics. That was the first Persona game I've ever played, and I played it start to finish. I, mm-hmm. I, I completed it, and I put it down, and I have never restarted it. But I did, <laughs> I will say this, I did finish um, Strikers. Mm-hmm. Do you think that 5 is a good entry point for people? I mean, again, I, I'll, and also, are you shocked that I said you know, let's just do, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try and see what people think about these games. And I actually went in and just did it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, um, <sighs> uh, I'm not going to lie. You're going to have to repeat the question and Josh is just going to have to edit this out. He's not. No, there's no editing at this point. 
Oh, um, yeah. Josh no, the, doesn't the, edit the, anything ever. Yeah, right. He just lets it go. Um, the question was, do you think five's a good entry point? Oh, yeah. I don't know why. I just Like, I heard you say that question and then immediately lost it in my brain. Because you probably were like, no, it's not. It's horrible. It's four, idiot. <laughs> That's probably what you're thinking. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's a fine entry point just because I think it's, I think it's the series that uh, really started to... Uh, I think it's an entry that really started to gain the series more traction and more popularity. Um because five did sell unreasonably fucking well, like unreasonably better than previous Persona games have. Um, and then, of course, you had like the big thing in when was it? Uh, 2018, you had uh, at the Game Awards where where they did that whole Smash Bros and Persona crossover where that I feel like that was uh, that was kind of a side effect of, of just how much Persona 5 had pushed the series into the mainstream that now here we are at the Game Awards with, with Joker getting his own special reveal saying that he's going to be in Smash Bros. Um, I, I think it's a wonderful place for people to start. I mean, it's where I, it's literally, it's where I fucking started. Um, Do you think it's a missed opportunity to have put Ryuji in Smash Brothers because um, he's a better character? <laughs> Um, I would I would have liked to seen uh, definitely maybe some of the other characters as opposed to the to the protagonist himself be thrown in there, um, but you know I'm sure that with being Smash Bros, the whole point of this was to not only gain hype for Smash Bros but also gain hype for Persona. Right. So yeah. So then even probably, though they did you're release right. it on Switch, you're right because um, they probably should have put. Uh, Anne in it, right? That's probably the right person. That would have drawn a little bit more attention. <laughs> yeah, well, I wonder why. I, that's so weird. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> so, we've talked about it in a card game sense. And I did talk about this with Dylan, too. And he actually, it's funny, because he actually was like, I don't want to talk about this because I know you hate this game. And, you know, like... You think it's for like dumb people and like you think I'm an idiot, even though I sort of kind of am an idiot, but whatever. Um, <laughs> that sounds like that was just like him, right? That sounded exactly like him. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. yeah I, I thought he was in the room. Um, <laughs> Pokemon. Mm-hmm. You have a you and Dylan have a very, very deep love for the, you guys are enamored with this game. Mm hmm. Or this series, rather. Yeah. I, I, I mean, like, I'm just going to let you rip. Like, what about it <laughs> is so appealing to you? Like, it's just... I Look, I get it. I get the whole idea of trying to collect everything. I understand all that. But but there have been so many different games in this, in this franchise. Mm-hmm. So many different iterations. I mean, I, I just... I'd love to just really hear... Like why you're so into this, and then I do want to unpack some other things about it too. I think one, <laughs> I think one of the biggest things for me is that it's kind of similar to the reason why I still watch Marvel movies, um, and that's kind of just like I've been invested for this long that I might as well just keep going. Um, you know, Pokemon's been one of those franchises, man that that has stuck with me my whole life. I've I've played Pokemon since since I was a kid and since I got my first handheld. Uh, I got a Game Boy for the first time, and I my first my first two or 
I, my first three games, because I remember I got my Game Boy Advance and I got three games with it. I got um, the Game Boy Advance port of uh, Zelda 2. I think it was oh, wow. Zelda 2. Um, it was Zelda 2, uh, Sonic Advance 3, and then uh, Pokemon Ruby. I think it was Ruby, maybe. Might have been something else, but I'm pretty sure it was Ruby. And uh, it it's just something that I, I, I sank my time into. Um no, no, it wasn't Ruby, actually, because I think my first Pokemon game was was still Pokemon Yellow. Because I remember I had the Game Boy Advance SP, and, you know, you had those big-ass fucking original Game Boy cartridges that would freeze if you even remotely touched that shit the wrong way. <laughs> um, like, you could just, like, bump it up against your chest, and the whole fucking system shuts down. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's it's just always been there. It's it hooked me at such a young age and it just never let go. I've just always been into it. Um, I think a lot of it does have to do with the collection aspect of, you know, uh, collecting all these different little monsters and, and filling out your Pokedex and learning about them. And that was always a cool thing for me, too. Like as a kid, I loved like uh, uh, putting new entries in the Pokedex and then like reading about these Pokemon and like reading about what kind of creatures they're like. And I've always been super into stuff like that. And it just never went away. And then I had a daughter and my daughter is my daughter loves Pokemon. I mean, when the last Pokemon games came out, uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, uh, that was such a cool day for me because it was the first time that my daughter was able to get a Pokemon game on launch day. And I took the day off work. We went to GameStop like as soon as they opened, we got our copies. We played them together all day. Um, it was, it was super awesome. And I think, I think that's part of what helps keep, keep it alive for me as an adult is just, I see how much joy it brings my daughter. And it's a super fun thing that, that we get to kind of do together. Yeah. Passing the sickness on, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. No, I'm kidding. That is, that's very magical. That is very sweet. Um, and it is fun, right? I mean, you get to, you get to share that same love, mm-hmm. um, with your offspring offspring call back to earlier in the episode mm-hmm. band that we talked about do you find that sometimes you have to keep them separated i kid anyway um <laughs> so with that and i think this is something that i asked dylan too because the both of you have been extremely critical of this series right i mean mm-hmm. you talk about yellow you talk about some of the other ones in the past that you've been like you, you essentially have said the series has peaked here and yeah. the games have gone sort of downhill. So with that being said, I mean, what what about these would you have to change to get back to that peak? What's mm. missing in these newer games? And, and, and Arceus aside, right? I mean, I understand that that game looked like... <laughs> So it was made on like, I don't know, like a an Etch-A-Sketch. But like, what about a future entry would you have to see or feel or experience to get back to that? Like, this is what I was missing from, from mm-hmm. Peak. So I kind of think that that's why I'm so excited for uh, the new entries uh, that'll be coming out this year, which are Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. Uh, don't really care for the names. Don't think the names are all that great, but you know, whatever. Um, I like, they kind of took the, 
when Pokemon Legends came out, yes, it looked really bad. It looked like it should have ran on a Nintendo 64. Um, it didn't look good, but the gameplay that it brought to me was so good. And it was so refreshing, and it was so different. And seeing that they are releasing a new a new Pokemon game that is like a real mainline standard Pokemon adventure, but still with the gimmicks and features that were uh, introduced in Arceus, I, I'm so excited to get a, a real fresh of breath air that didn't just kind of feel like an experiment. Um, hopefully the visuals look better. I mean, in the trailers we've seen so far, they look, I mean, just like a night and day difference compared to Legends Arceus, and I, I hope... I pray to God it stays that way. Um, but as far as like getting back to what the peak of the series was, that would that would really for me be the, be the story. Um, you know, uh, Generation Four with Diamond and Pearl and Platinum, they had a pretty solid story. It wasn't super great, but then you got into Black and White, which I still think today has the best story that the franchise has ever tried to tell, because it it, it was it was realistic and it was grounded. Um, it was essentially the one of the main antagonists kind of makes the argument of why, like what makes humans feel like that we have the right to enslave these creatures and what makes us feel like we have the right to use them however we want to. And it was kind of it was kind of given the whole argument, like, are they really your friends or or are are or are for lack of a better word or are they just enslaved by you to do whatever you want them to do? And I think that that was so good for a Pokemon game. Like, that was so such a different take uh, on the stories that we'd seen so far. And just they have just dropped the ball and never done anything that interesting again. Wait, so somebody had the balls to ask that question. And then they were like, yeah, we're not going to really answer that. We're just going to keep moving forward. That's what happened? Yes. Essentially, yes. I, you know, I, I have a little bit. It's so good. You know, I have a little bit more respect for the series now. Um, <laughs> so, okay, first off, here's another thing: Scarlet and Violet are not good names to you. I, I'm not crazy about them. I, I think that. I I think that for me, I don't know. I have to see. I have to see the box art, and I know that that's super weird and such a dumb response to that. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, it's pretty fucking stupid. Um, um, no, but like, what would you? I mean, look, they're running out of like, yeah, rare earth minerals and gemstones. So like, I'm I'm not <laughs> holding my breath for like, you know, Pokemon fracking sand and Pokemon shale. You know, like it's not <laughs> that's not coming. But yeah, like scarlet and violet are colors. I understand that. Was there a crimson? I don't. know. How do they not? How do they skip that one? I don't know, but they did. It that is seems, weird. And that seems like Crimson and Indigo would be like the two that I would go with. There's a pretty sure there's a fan made Pokemon game that has those in the title. <laughs> of course. Hey, I'm there just is. gonna say it, man. Uh, fan made games are sometimes better than real games. Hey, that, that Metroid Pokemon. that remake of Metroid Two was a fan game and it was very yeah. good. Um speaking of Metroid and other genres 
Are there any other genres that really appeal to you? I know I, look, we've really impacted a lot in the RPG space, but mm-hmm. anything else that that really um, that speaks to you? I know oh. one of I know you said, and I joked about. I'm going to recycle a joke here, but when you said that uh, Fallout New Vegas was like one of your favorite games, and my response mm-hmm. was, "But there's no Japanese high school in that game." Um, <laughs> what like? Where, you know, are, are there other genres like that that you really gravitate towards? Oh, for sure. Um, like, kind of the action adventure of, like, Fallout and stuff like that, I've always really loved. Um, uh, I, I, again, because I have been so into TCGs, like, any type of, any type of, like, uh, like card battling I, uh, RPG uh, I'm really into. I still need to. I don't know why I, fuck I still haven't bought it yet. I always forget about it, but um, there's a game that came out towards the end of last year called The Voice of Cards. Um, I it was called like Voice of Cards, Isle of Dragons, or something like that. Oh uh, yeah, played, actually, yeah, you're um, very right. I yeah. played the demo and it was awesome, and I just never bought the full release product, and I still do need you know, to. Do you know why this is so good? Why? Because it was made by the guys who made Near. Mmm. I didn't know that. Which is why the artwork rocks and why I'm sure this is going, like, after playing this, I'm, again, going to have to sit on a park bench and ponder what the meaning of life is. <laughs> because Near Automata, essentially, like, there's two ways you can look at that game. You can finish that game and be like, I now know what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Or you can finish that game and be like, I am happy that I'm human and alive. <laughs> So there's two ways. I, there's probably a third way you could look at it and be like, okay, I, now I understand that there, the meaning of life is nothing and that I am completely free and my mind should live in the internet. But um, any favorite developers or any favorite developer that you could think of? Um, Atlas is a big one. Uh, I, I love, I mean, I love Persona. I kind of like the SMT games. Um, I loved 3, didn't really care for 5 all that much. Uh, I did just, uh, I think I talked about it on the show, maybe I didn't, or this week's episode. Then again, you probably wouldn't have heard that yet anyway. Wait, no, Josh is dumb and released it early, so you've heard it. Um, but uh, the... Uh, I ordered... Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought trying to figure out what I was trying to say. Um, I ordered a modded 3DS... Uh, that should be coming in like Monday or Tuesday. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be able to go back and play some of those older SMT games and that'll be super rad. Um, but yeah, definitely Atlas with Persona and SMT. And then, uh, like what I'm playing right now for the podcast challenge, Catherine, Catherine is such a good fucking game. It is. Oh my God. That game is so wonderful. Have you ever watched competitive Catherine? Hmm. Competitive. What did you just say to me? Have you ever watched that a thing? Yes. Huh. I have not. People, now I want people to. compete. So it, it's a big, like when Evo goes on, like the fighting game tournaments, like yeah. competitive Catherine in the fighting game community is a huge thing. That's so wild. It I is, never knew that. Oh, my God. It's, it is. In, and the the rate at which these guys compete, guys and girls, compete is astounding like the way they move it, it is it, it's next level the, mm-hmm. the 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 amount of skill that goes into it i i implore you check out a competitive catherine like just just google that 
And oh yeah, we'll I'm gonna look that up as soon yeah. as this is over. That's you super can interesting. It. It's so awesome. It looks so cool. Um, <laughs> That's so neat. So one of the other things, and I, I, I ask this of your co-hosts, I want to make sure I get your take on this too. Mm-hmm. What makes a game complete to you? Oh man, um, honestly, kind of, kind of the same as what we said earlier. And I know it's a super basic answer, but like, the game has got to hook me. Like at least within the you know first first two hours, the game has just got to hook me. There's so many like games that you know everybody loves that I sit down and try to play, and they're like, oh. I promise it gets better. You know, it gets really good at like the, like the six hour mark. Like, uh, okay, sir, I'm not playing a game for six hours before I feel like this shit's fucking good. Um, like it, it's just it's gotta hook me within that within that first two hour mark, um, and then have ha, have a very well thought out and and very solid, satisfying conclusion. Not only for you know the antagonist, but also for the other characters that I've come to build a relationship with over, over the course of the game. Um, and I, I like, go, especially going back to, to the whole hooking thing, like for me, for somebody who has the hyper fixation problems that I do, um, it's very hard for me to take my mind off of something and kind of try to go to something else, at least for a little while. I kind of have to wait until my brain gets bored of one thing before I can kind of move to the next. Um, and so it, I hate when I pick up a game and I, I want to love it and it just doesn't do it for me. Like, it just doesn't grasp me. It's just not something I'm interested in. And then I just feel like I can't play it. Um, I, I hate that. And I, I think... About, Everything else aside, the the first two hours of a game are so fucking important for me because it's going to determine whether I actually sit down and finish that game or if I delete it off my hard drive and I never touch it again. So that really, I mean, that that impacts your critique of a game significantly then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's oh, wild. Sure. Yeah. So, so then when you do find something that you like... What, what do you, or how do you go about critiquing that game? I mean, when, once you're hooked in, right, once it's got you, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts about how you think about that game critically? Um, mm, that's a super tough one because I don't, I like, I don't really, I don't really ever think about it while I'm playing the game. It kind of usually, I kind of keep all my thoughts under wraps even to myself really until I've completely finished the game and then I kind of take a step back and I look and I'm like, okay, this is everything the game did right. This is what I kind of fucking hated and I don't want to deal with again. Um, and, I mean, fuck. Going back to fucking Elden Ring, as much as I hate doing that on this fucking show now, uh, I feel like we've all talked about it so much for like the last two fucking months. Um, like... One of the things that gets me about Elden Ring is I, I, I think Elden Ring is an almost perfect game, even from somebody who is not into Souls games. Um, I, I, like I'm, I played it till 3 o'clock this morning. I'm on the final fucking boss of that damn game now, um, which is something that I did not think I would ever do. I did not think I would ever finish a fucking Souls game in my entire life. But here I am, almost done with Elden Ring. But, like, one of the things with Elden Ring that I can sit back and critique is I kind of think that the difficulty spike in the bosses is kind of fucking ridiculous. Um, 
I think everything up to the fire giant, I mean, I, it was hard, but it was manageable. And then you get to the fire giant and it just feels like every boss after me is just, it, after that is just skull fucking me for the remainder of my playthrough. Um, but yeah, I kind of, I kind of like to keep all my thoughts kind of, kind of under wraps until I get at least, at least close towards the, the end of the game. And then I'll kind of start, uh, like, especially if, if it's a game I'm going to talk about on the show, I'll kind of start going back through and thinking about what I liked and what I didn't like. And I'll even go way out of my way and look up videos on YouTube and kind of just to try to remember, like, kind of jog my memory of what I experienced when I played through that game and, and stuff like that. You, I will say you have a way with words. Yes. Any trends that you're liking or disliking in games like what what things would you like to see would you like to see stay or what things in gaming would you like to see go i hate to say it because i'm pretty sure josh talked about it on his episode um and i'll agree with him the battle royale thing is getting fucking obnoxious well guess what halo's got a battle royale coming for you i know i as much as i want to say i'm not going to play it i am and i know that um, You're part of the I problem. do hate it, and I, I do wish it was a feature. It was a thing that would go away. Um, as far as trends go, I there's so many franchises that are guilty of this, even though it seems like a lot of them have taken some time off. But when it comes to stuff like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed and even Pokemon, just stop making it so fucking frequent. Like, just stop. Give me some time in between. Like, actually take time to work on these fucking games. Don't just keep pushing the shit out like candy just because you want to add another entry to the series. Like, no, stop. Take your fucking time. Like, I I don't want to jump back into Assassin's Creed once a fucking year. I I don't really want to jump back into a new Pokemon game once a fucking year. That's a lie. I say that, but then I still buy every fucking game that comes out, so... Um, and that's one of the biggest trends that I hate is just all these games that have yearly fucking releases. And it's, it's like, at least to me, usually those franchises, like the games just get worse and worse every year. They just get worse because they're not taking time to be innovative. They're not taking time to, to come up with, with new good selling points. It's just hey, we have to release a game next year, so let's just take everything we did with this one and we're just going to put a new coat of paint on top of it. And I, I hate that. that. I think that trend is fucking awful and I think it needs to go. Um, and then again, the Battle Royale thing is just a bleh. Like, I fucking hate it. Am I still going to play it? Am I still going to play Halos? Yeah, probably. Um, but I'm still going to fucking hate it while I do it. You got to um, get down with some indies, man. That's That's where I think you can... Sort of. Oh yeah, you know, I, I like, do need to make more time to to sit down and play more indies, especially off of Game Pass and especially off the Switch. Dude, the Switch is an indie powerhouse, and I yeah. don't utilize that the way I should be. Uh, I don't know if you played it. I know Dylan did, but if you get a chance, Solar Ash, I would recommend. Mm-hmm. Very oh yeah, um, I've been looking at it. That's definitely one that I've been meaning to pick up and try. The the. Uncanny and striking is the way I would describe that game. It's so cool. Um, mm-hmm. It really like it. It looks like it looks like what Tycho would make music for. But mm-hmm. I, I digress. <laughs> um, 
Also, I are you are you did you start or are you planning on starting Triangle Strategy? Um, I'm gonna start it eventually. Yeah. It's just I uh, I wanted to get to it this week. I wanted to pick it up and get to it this week, but um, there was a lot of stuff that I had to had to fucking buy this week. Like I bought a new car last week. Oh wow! So I've got to kind of make sure my finances are set for that. Um, I've had some uh, like me. Me and my wife don't really get, like, a lot of alone time anymore. Like, we're both just so fucking busy. And we actually, like, have time to ourselves tonight. So I, I tried to kind of save money for us to go on, like, a really elaborate date in, in downtown Atlanta. So I had to kind of keep, uh, go easy on my wallet for right now. Why? So can I, and this, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm mm -hmm. not. Why don't you talk more about this romantic side of Austin? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't. Instead of filling the airwaves with just, oh, people puking into people's mouths and stuff. I mean. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't. It's just not something that comes up. Yeah. I like no, to. And I'm, by the way. So, by the way, I listened to that episode, and mm -hmm. you guys were 100% right. I I would have I would have <laughs> clutched my pearls at that point. Yeah, I uh I'm very um I'm very private when it comes well that's a weird thing to say with me. It's, um it's, it could not be more opposite than what some like, people might think. <laughs> I know, but like when it comes to uh, when it comes to like romance and like my relationships and stuff, I'm I'm very private about it. I don't know why. It's just not. I don't well, know. That's okay. There's it's just I, I don't really like to. Uh, like even in public, like fucking like Madison gets bad at me all the fucking time. Um, but like 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 public, I guess like PDA and like public displays of affection. Like I like I just I just don't do that. This is not this. This was for video games. All right, we're this is that's a t totally different interview that we're not we're never going to conduct. Um, no, but that's good. You, you you know what you can do? You could talk about your one true love or few true loves, mm -hmm. anime, any core music, and video games. Yes. Any closing comments, Mr. Stevens? Um, no, I don't think so. Other than that, this was super fun. You have a good time. I did. This was rad. Yeah, this. I, these these are fun. These are fun. They are fun. I was I, excited to do this. I was. Like, I'm not gonna different. lie. I'm not gonna lie. And I can't believe I'm using. I'm not gonna lie because that's like the your catchphrase. But um, mm, it is. I was looking. Yes, Josh and Dylan are very interesting people, and I do respect their. Um, I do respect their thoughts and opinions, but I was very much looking forward to this one. I was. Oh, I will say that because you know I give you a bad rap. <laughs> no, I'm only. It's all fun. And it's all. It's all done and fun, though. I no. I joke with you because I think it's. I think you're a good guy, and you have you have a good sense of humor. And I know you can. Uh, I know you probably could dish it out just as much as I can. So it's very good of oh, you. Oh man, to I wish have restraint. When it comes, to I'm actually not so good on the. Um, it, it's something I hate, kind of. I'm actually like, especially with like joking around with people and like you know, like oh fucking roast them, bro, like shit like that. Like I'm, I'm, 
I, I'm very slow with that kind of stuff. It just doesn't come to my brain as quickly as I feel like it does. Yeah, but other when people. it does, I feel like it's. Oh, when it does, it hammers in. Though. Yeah, it's you're not a hand grenade, <laughs> you're a sniper. <laughs> so anyway, where can people find you? How can people know who you are? Uh, Twitch, yeah. Instagram, the Discord, all that crap. Hit us. Yes. Uh, so all of, I mean, I think all of my Instagrams are the same, or all Instagrams, all of my social medias are the same. It's just Big Papa Plays. Um, and then, of course, on TikTok, you want to follow me there as much as I feel like Justin probably hates that app. I, but, uh. No. I, dude, I love TikTok. I spend so, so much time on this all right, app. Dude, you know what? Here's, here's, I'm, you're going to make a million dollars next week. Here's my proposal. <laughs> big, what is it? Big Papa Plays on TikTok? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just every day, every day at like 12, 1 o'clock, whatever it is, you stop what you're doing, you record a 30-second TikTok, and it is just you talking about the most outrageous shit in anime that you've seen. I guarantee you by the end of the week, you'll have millions of followers just the, That's a just good idea. I'm going to look into that. I'm, I'm not kidding. This is real talk. You do this. I guarantee you, you will. And just hashtag whatever you need to hashtag anime-wise. You just mm-hmm. speak with that passion that you have for that. And you will have people just being like, you got to check out what this guy Austin said about uh, Chainsaw Man. And I guarantee you, you. And when you do that, you buy me a yacht. <laughs> That's how this works. Oh, you a pay cut out of the. I idea. get a finder's fee out of this shit. <laughs> well, bet I will. I'll sit down. That's actually, honestly, that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, I'm full of them. Anyway, um, so okay, we know where to find you. But for the show, for hunting pixels, where can people find hunting pixels? You can find hunting pixels on most. I think most Josh has corrected me on this, but uh, podcast apps, if you're willing to listen to this show, um, you can find the other guys for this, Dylan Martin, Dylan Martin, I forget what his is, are. you know what, whatever, Josh, he can figure it out too. Put it in the show notes, <laughs> I don't care. Uh, but for Culture Bop, you can follow it on Instagram at culture underscore bop. You can also, if you're willing to, and you really like this, and you really like me, you can go to patreon.com slash culturebop. Throw these guys a pledge. They're on Patreon. They have tiers that you can subscribe to. If you want to learn more about those, check out that Patreon site. You can toss them a couple bucks a month, find out what you can get there. There's plenty of good goodies that you can get from this uh, from this Patreon. And you can be part of a really awesome community this i will say i have never and this is i know i'm part of the this discord but i have never been part of a gaming community that has been so um welcoming and thought-provoking and funny a lot of really good characters and funny personalities in there but uh feel free to check it check it out on discord culture bob all things culture bop check it out on patreon and on discord and i think that's it i think that's it i think it. that is you have fun you said you have fun right 
I did. This was awesome. That's what I care about. That's what I care about. <laughs> Maybe I'll be back to do more more of these one-on-ones with everybody. Um, but if not, the boys have been interviewed. Now you know what they like. Now you know what they're all about. And if you disagree with them, you can go back to this and be like, you know what? But he's right. Like, he does really know RPGs. Instead of just being like, <laughs> like, fuck that guy. What does he know about, like, movies? What is letterbox? Give me a letterbox. It's F for fuck you, John. That's what people on the internet making fun of how often I use that word. You know, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Now I'm doing it. (laughs) I I will be sincere. I don't think you really used it that much this episode. I didn't. Not as much as usual. Yeah, maybe I'm having a positive effect on you. Maybe. Maybe, maybe just a little bit. Well, that's hey. As long as I can do that, and you do the, you do your anime corner thing, and uh, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll draw up a contract to be your agent. So sounds good, bro. Sounds All right, like a good business move. Take care, Mr. Stevens, and take care, listeners. We'll be back next time. <laughs>